Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow. Welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we go cyber threat hunting. So settle back, enjoy the show, while we go catch some bad guys. Hi, and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we're going to be taking a look at a topic that no doubt is going to be very high on the list of priorities for pretty much all of us throughout 2019, and that is the ever-evolving cybersecurity threat. So to help me to discuss that topic and take a look at current threats and the trends we expect to see evolve throughout this year, I'm joined by Chris Gerrit. Hi, Chris. How are you? Doing great. So, Chris, uh, well, welcome to the show. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to have a little chat through this idea of um, cybersecurity. But before we do that, uh, maybe so people understand why uh, why you're such a good guest for this topic. Do you want to introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about what you do uh, and a little bit about your uh, rather interesting background? Sure. Yeah. First, uh, thanks for having me. Um yeah, no, my name's my name's Chris. I spent ten years with the U.S. Air Force. Uh, I was part of the incident response team there at the Air Force CERT, uh, defending the Air Force's network. We had a very large global network of about eight hundred thousand systems. Um, you know, and my role there was basically responding to security breaches and responding to attacks against the the entity. Um, you know, I I ended up my last assignment standing up a a capability called the Enterprise Hunt Team. Uh, me and about three other people. We built that team up to be proactive in finding breaches, and we called that hunting, um, that, that proactive action. And so that kind of background uh, really prompted us when I came into the commercial world to start InfoSight. Um, and we did that four years ago uh, with a couple of members of my team. And you know, our entire role is to basically deliver a software platform that can discover security breaches, um, whether you're someone just wanting to find a breach and, and figure out if the, the security tools are effective or not, or uh, be able to respond to one or have a continuous model for being more proactive. So, um, well, so Chris, uh, and that's great. And thanks for that introduction. Uh, and you mentioned in there this kind of idea of hunting, you know, kind of cyber threat hunting. So, so that's, that's not a necessarily a phrase that, um, so this is not a phrase I was particularly familiar with, and, and maybe some of the listeners are kind of in the same boat. So, so when we talk about cyber threat hunting, kind of, kind of what is that? You know, how's that different from, um, you know, building some perimeter security and some antivirus and malware software? You know, well, how, how's the cyber threat hunting different? Sure. Yeah. I think if uh, threat hunting is very particular to a person like me, um, you know, the U.S. military and some of our partner nations, uh, militaries, even the, the U.K. and um, Israeli militaries adopted very early this proactive mindset that uh, to assume that there's an adversary trying to get into our networks and assume that they are already here. Um, so let's be proactive and go find them and not wait for an alert to trip us on the on the fact that they're here. And so. Uh, that fact was simply because we kept responding to breaches and doing the root cause and finding out they've been here for six months, you know, before we detected them. And so hunting is a proactive action of detecting and responding to threats um, that are usually more sophisticated or on a part of your network that you don't have uh, visibility into. And so, you know, that has applicability all over the place from just being more proactive on security operations to consultancies going out and discovering security breaches in organizations that wouldn't have the ability to detect them in the first place. So it's this kind of idea of um, a phrase I, I, you know, I do hear quite a lot is this, this kind of a posture of assumed breach. Mm-hmm. So as you said, you know, assume that the bad actors already in there, that they're already infiltrated your network in some way and, uh, and uh, up to things that maybe you wouldn't want them to be. Is, is that, that, that kind of, it's that kind of idea? Yes. Yeah. And if, you know, in the U.S. market, um, you know, marketers have kind of run away with threat hunting. Uh, sometimes people will be confused into thinking threat hunting is a synonymous term with detection in general, you know, everything from antivirus to what they've been currently doing. Uh, but I, I have a very particular um, definition and most practitioners do. 
that threat hunting is proactive in nature and waiting for a tripwire, waiting for a rule to fire is not threat hunting. That's detection. That's just your standard day-to-day monitoring. Um, threat hunting is a proactive action above that. And so, and this is not necessarily something that you would uh, do after you've had a breach. Kind of threat hunting is about, as you said, that proactive piece as well, where you're looking for potential attack vectors and, and stopping them before they become a problem. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, the techniques are applicable. Um, in fact, you know, InfoSight's model specifically took the principles that are used in incident response triage. You know, with an incident responder, uh, jumps into a network that just had a breach, the first thing he's going to do is scour the network and look for what is the scope of this breach? Where else are they? You know, we got one alert on one system for one component, but they could be on several systems. They could have already stolen the database. So incident response triage is about covering the entire network and figuring out what the scope of a breach is. And what InfoSight did was basically say, let's use that proactively in any network, regardless if we think there's someone in there or not, regardless if we have a breadcrumb trail or not. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I think the idea that, um, you know, let's not wait for a breach to happen before we go out and deal with it. You know, that's, that seems a, an eminently sensible way of doing things. Sure. I think it's go- it's grown uh, massively in popularity in the U.S. market. Uh, we've seen it in the uh, in the uh, the European market as well, especially with GDPR, where where folks have to say, you know, am I breached right now? And if you don't have a good answer for that, you got to find somebody who can answer that. Yeah. So, so um, I mean, the, we obviously we started the show talking about kind of as we look forward into this new year into 2019. Yeah. You know, what what the uh, ever evolving cyber threat looks like. So you know, but I mean, based on your experience, based on the things that you've seen in the market, and I noticed on your website actually you you were uh, you had a blog there talking about um, a, a recent cyber threat report that you'd, you'd seen. Um, I mean, what, what, what's the kind of things that listeners to this show are involved in kind of securing their data and securing their systems? What, what are the kind of things they should be looking out for sure. as we move into this year and, and beyond? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, if you look at the evolution of hackers and attacks, um, I think, you know, from a high level, just in the last decade, we've seen a vast shift from just the folks that are really good at this and they're just trying to prove them something to financially motivated organizations that have a vested interest in stealing your data, stealing your your money, stealing, you know, uh, ransoming you. And so the type of organizations and their motivations has changed a lot. And so that's why um, threat intelligence and understanding what they're after is important. Uh, and I think, you know, a couple trends that end up happening um, with just how folks get access to networks and how they maintain access will constantly ebb and flow based on how defenders respond to it. And so if you're not up to date on the latest trends, um, you can definitely fall behind. You know, things like fileless malware, that, that's been a trend the last five years. People don't want to hit send on disk. They don't want to be scanned by an antivirus. They're going to live inside the memory of a system. And so you need to be able to go there. Um, and then lately, I think the latest trend is to stop using uh, unique malware that they write themselves because the, these malware authors are being uh, are finally being caught. And so what the latest trend that we're seeing just in the last 12 months is more use of generic malware that everyone else is using, and they're just modifying it slightly for their particular use case. And so you'll see uh, commodity, you know, you know, kid in a basement hacking with, you know, something like TrickBot, 
and you'll see nation states with really sophisticated teams using the same tool. And so attribution becomes much harder. And I suppose it's that um, that commoditization is, is part of the challenge, isn't it? In that uh, it, it's that kid in the basement who's decided just because he can and just wants to, to see whether he can or she can, that, you know, they, they're going to write a piece of malware just to see where it takes them, you know? And it, it, I mean, is that kind of, is that kind of how you see it as well? That, that, you know, a big threat for the majority of companies maybe is this kind of almost drive-by ransomware clicking on something that people shouldn't do you know you know clicking on a piece of malicious code that they shouldn't you know is, is, yeah. is that is that a sizable part of the threat yeah and i think most people are going to deal with untargeted threats you know we talk about targeted attackers they want your organization they're going to continue to hammer on you until they find a way in and then there's untargeted which are uh targets of opportunity you have a vulnerability and this thing's sweeping the entire internet until it finds you and so you know, patch management and making sure that you aren't the weakest, you know, gazelle in the pack is a good way to stop on targeted attacks. Just keep your stuff patched. Don't expose these vulnerabilities. And you're going to be safe from a lot of the the commodity kind of untargeted attacks that are just sweeping the internet or living out there on websites that people normally try to navigate to. Uh, I mean, that, um, that actually raises an interesting point as well. And, and it was just something um, as kind of as you was talking earlier that, that was creeping in the back of my mind there is that obviously you see a lot of sites, a lot of organizations where, uh, you know, you're doing some threat analysis and you find that people have been breached or that people are vulnerable to breach. You know, well, well it, you know, it, it's the things that these companies have in common. Is the things that they've been doing that has left them particularly vulnerable you know is the things that they've been doing that you know people maybe listening to the show could go out and double check on their network yeah yeah i think um you know the big thing is probably hygiene and i I think there's a high correlation whenever we do whenever we look at a network and we look at the data that is uh, present in the organizations that we serve um, one of the highest correlations that we see is your ability to handle just generic hygiene if you look at your network and you just have, you're riddled with unauthorized software. You've got toolbars on your browsers because people clicked on the wrong thing or they wanted to to print out a coupon and now they've got a piece of spyware that's serving ads. Um, You know, these things are very generic. They're typically low threat. You know, they're generally just giving ad ad signals to people. Um, and, And most people are like, well, I get these alerts all the time and they're not huge threats. They're not, they're not North Korea. Um, at the same time, we have a huge, a high correlation between organizations that don't control their hygiene with, you know, big breaches and the ability to respond to those breaches. They tend to be at a higher risk for those things because they're not looking at their network with scrutiny and they're not controlling them. Uh, and I suppose it's the, um, and this is something I see quite a lot in, in all kinds of kind of IT projects or, you know, the way that the people run their IT it's almost that lack of visibility of what they currently have, you know, and this sounds very similar in that it's a lack of visibility of machine patching, whether people are installing bits of software that they're not, you know, is, is again, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You know, this hygiene, just standard patch management and hygiene, it goes so far in the world of cyber and it is so abysmal in most organizations. And a lot of it's just because, you know, it's not because they're lazy. I'm not a cynic, you know, there's a lot of cynics in security, um, I, I know the challenges. Like I, I started my own security company and I have employees. And even as a security company, I have to make choices between like, yeah, we would love to be as secure as we can. We also have to go to market and sell some stuff and we have to be fast to do that. 
you know, so I, I, I feel for them. I feel for organizations that are like, I have a culture that's not going to change instantly. I have people that are not sophisticated using my computers and we have to still serve them. We still have to do our jobs and we still have to sell what, what our company sells. Yeah, and I think like you said before as well, the idea that you have to assume this this kind of assume breach posture that either you've been breached or you are you know you are imminently going to be breached. And and of course, one of the challenges, and I think you just described it really well there, is one of the challenges is people in an organisation because the cyber threat is now so complex and so sophisticated on a lot of occasions. The chance that a human being is just going to make a mistake or click on something that they they shouldn't do, um, you can't see that change diminish. Uh, you know, that threat diminishing anytime soon, can you really? No. And I think, you know, we have to kind of take security, um, this mindset that we have to assume breach, that people are going to find a way in. The, the larger our organizations get and the more complex they get, the more likely that there's going to be a hole somewhere that someone can take advantage of. You know, you can't cover every angle. And I suppose, you know, if I go go back to kind of my, my original question on as, as we look into 2019, you know, how the cyber threat is likely to evolve and change. I, I think from what you're saying, it's not so much that it, it's going to be any kind of brand new trend we need to be aware of or that the change is going to be hugely significant. It's just really going to be a continued evolution of the same kind of thing. You know, it's the same kind of threats that that we're seeing now, perhaps just more of, and they may get more sophisticated. Um, mm-hmm. or, or is there anything that you see coming down the road that maybe we've not really seen before that we should be particularly aware of? Yeah, I think we have a tendency to concentrate on yesterday's problems sometimes. Um, you know, malware, for instance, a lot of people are, are worried about malware, and we certainly are. Um, and it is a big problem. But at the same time, a lot of our core you know, data that we're processing, as as companies move to the cloud, for instance, um, we're seeing cloud adoption being correlated with better security because, you know, they can put two-factor authentication on every service. You know, if you had all on-prem, those things are hard to maintain. You know, you can have some of the controls in place and you can deal with, let's like, say you have your data in Salesforce. Salesforce employs some really amazing security engineers to make sure that that is as secure as possible. You know, they have better security at, at Salesforce than than most organizations can afford themselves. So putting your data there actually is an uptick on average for most organizations in security. At the same time, now the actor, the hackers uh, have a different model for how to steal your data. Now it's not on-prem where they're gonna go to steal that data. If all your crown jewels are in Salesforce or in, in, in Amazon or Google in these cloud services, now I have to attack it differently. And it's not that those things are vulnerable because they're out there, it's just because it's different. And so you're going to start seeing attacks that are not attacking operating systems. They're not emailing things and links to download something to execute. They're actually going after the APIs on the cloud services. They're trying to steal tokens and credentials from users. You know, maybe they give them a spoofed website for Salesforce and they accidentally put their password in and then they go and use that password on the real Salesforce. You know, those types of attacks are the things that we're going to start seeing more and more of as people adopt cloud. Yeah. And, and you think the, you know, because it's a phrase I hear quite a lot now that the idea that um, it's identity theft that people are really after now, as you say, it's not so much about can I deploy a piece of malware on your, you know, your Windows or your Mac OS. It's actually can I steal your credentials? And is that the kind of the direction of travel that you see as well, that it's it's yeah. going to be people's identity that, that, that uh, cyber criminals want? Identity is huge. I think that's really where it's at. You know, as the security of these uh, systems get better and better, like the you know, uh, most people and most organizations that hack aren't going to be able to penetrate a Google or a Salesforce 
um, as well as they could that 5,000 employee healthcare organization. Um, and so they have to change their model because, you know, they don't want to spend all the money in the world just to get caught and be, you know, be prosecuted. Um, you know, so these types of things are going to happen. They're going to steal identities and then they're going to use that identity that they've stolen. And the, the challenge for the defender is that I can no longer have a simple rule of whether this is good or bad or authorized or unauthorized. I now have to differentiate, would one of my users do this thing that just happened? So, well, I suppose that leads on quite nicely because, you know, I, I like the show to be positive and have a positive outlook uh, because, you know, right right now we're telling everybody that... that uh, Human glue. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, at the end of their data security is nigh um, and, and all their data is going to be stolen. Um, so, you know, again, from your experience, you, you know, you've been you've been doing this role for, for a long time. You've, you've built a, built a business around um, this kind of cyber threat and, and trying to mitigate and reduce risk. So so for people listening to this, now, what, what are a few of the things that they maybe should be looking at? You know, as that threat continues to evolve, maybe as that threat becomes more identity focused. You know, what, what are some of the tips that, that you share that people should be looking in terms of either building policies, process, procedures? Um, you know, what, what kind of stuff should they be doing? Yeah, I think, you know, number one is uh, just hygiene. Um, and a lot of this can start with uh, and, and I'll make a plug for the, the consultancies out there. The plug is that organizations should at least assess where they currently stand, you know, and, and uh, InfoSight um, specifically delivers a, a product and, a, and, a, uh, and enables this service where an assessment can go as deep as finding all of the software in the environment, whether it's unauthorized or authorized, and also the malware and the file stuff and the, the stolen identities. A lot of this stuff can be picked up uh, during an assessment without having all this infrastructure come in. And so understanding where you're at and understanding, am I good at hygiene or am I not? Do I have security breaches? Do I have malware in my environment? Do I have uh, identities being stolen using nefariously? Um, being able to understand where you're at, then you can say, what controls do I need to improve to be able to get a hold of this stuff? Do I need to increase my visibility? Do I need to um, expand my team or outsource? You know, Understanding where you're at is probably the number one starting point for most organizations looking to get a handle on this. So, so after people have done that initial assessment, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense in all kinds of IT projects, you know, whether you're doing a cloud migration, building new infrastructure, you know, understanding where you're starting before you try and get somewhere else makes a lot of sense. So so after people have done that assessment, you know, what, what, what's kind of the next thing that, that, that you'd suggest that uh, they would look at doing? Yeah, I think after, after understanding where you're at, um, you always have to understand what your resources are and fit the model and the controls that you're going to put in place around your resources. Uh, I think right now there's a, a, uh, a deficit of good talent out there that can do, um, that can control everything that could go wrong in your environment. And so most organizations that are doing well in this area are looking to outsource at least as a bridge until they can get more sophisticated or they get uh, a control on what they need to get a control on. And so Outsource services like managed detection and response uh, for the for the um, the attack side, or you know bringing in somebody, or or just having you know some IT function being maintained. Uh, one of the number one outsourcing things is just moving to the cloud. You know, if it's hard to maintain your own infrastructure and it's hard to maintain that stuff, and if you're uh, un undermanned, cloud services can handle a lot of this stuff. And I think the organizations that are adopting cloud are actually finding they're more secure. They're getting fewer breaches. When they do have a breach, there's less likelihood that they've stolen the crown jewels because your crown jewels are sitting in three different services online. Um, and, and they would have to go through more steps to get to those points as well. And so 
I, I see a, a massive positive shift for most organizations when they look to outsource uh, and the number one being adopt more cloud services. And I think that's a little slower in Europe simply because of the regulations, um, but the at least the US organizations that we've seen, cloud adoption is highly correlated to the security of that organization and the in the confidence they have in their, in their And I think that actually that leads quite nicely onto kind of, um, you know, as, as we start to come to the end of our time here, it leads quite nicely onto um, something I wanted to ask you because so before we did this show, I did a little bit of looking into InfoSight and kind of do. I think you've got really interesting platform and set of services that, that can help to fill some of the gaps that you've described there. So, you know, maybe as we wrap up, could you tell us a little bit about InfoSight and kind of where you guys sit in terms of being able to help solve some of the problems that we've talked about? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, on, on one hand, InfoSight, uh, we have a very flexible model for getting into networks and collecting data to do uh, some of the more advanced threat hunting. Uh, that's available on the market, and that's a proactive, you know, detection of threats uh, and an ability to respond to those threats if they are found. Um, and so, on one hand, we we support the consultancies to go out and do these assessments and find security breaches uh, and threat hunting as a service. Um, and then our subscribing customers, um, this is a turnkey threat hunting and response platform and service. And at our highest level subscription, we wanted to layer in a simple, you know, per endpoint monthly cost, um, and you get not only the security platform, the technology, but um, access to our security operations center. And we can deliver um, trained and, and, and highly experienced threat hunters and responders to organizations that don't normally have that skill set on staff. And so when they, uh, when they look to, to discover what's in their network, um, our people can layer in um, our own reporting and analysis, as well as when they do have a security breach or they have an attack against them, that first hour incident response is handled by our team where we can give recommendations on what is the scope, how big of a problem is this really, should we bring in that that um, that investigator to find out how this happened, or is this something we can just clean up and move on uh, because it's a, it's a low-grade threat. And so that first hour response is pretty critical for most organizations that don't have incident response uh, and that was, um, I mean, that's certainly actually one of the things that caught my attention um, when, when I was looking at um, looking at kind of what you guys did, and, and you know, as we spoke before we started recording. Um, and when you talk about that as well, this is not just a dashboard lighting up saying you really need to go and do this. This is a an actual human being getting involved, isn't it? Right. Yeah. You're, we're chatting with you. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think, um, as I was saying to you before we, we started recording this, that the, I think that's one of the most powerful things we do. A lot of the people that I speak with and a lot of the, the, the people, you know, businesses that I visit, that, that that's one of their number one concerns is it's great having all of these tools that can help identify threats, mitigate risk, but their IT teams are just so overstretched. So, you know, I think, and I guess that was kind of the driver behind you doing what you were doing, which is to, to add that that additional value and, and give people that, that helping hand, particularly in that first hour when you know the threat response is it's probably it's most difficult yeah yeah i think when we just found this this is a, a service that we layered in mostly for the needs of our customers you know we we have hundreds of customers and we we, we do a review uh you know especially as they've adopted our cloud platform um we're finding that not every organization uses the tool to its full capability and that's true of any tool and so we wanted everyone to have the benefit of the maximum capability from it, which means, you know, offer a service where we can layer in our people that know how to leverage it at its fullest and do that at a cost point that makes sense. 
from a yeah, and I, and I think you know, I, I, can't, I can't agree more. I think the idea that adding that level of service, giving people that helping hand, you know, going above and beyond kind of what a software platform can maybe help people to, to um, you know, to identify is is going to be a you know, maybe as we look ahead in 2019 and some of the trends and things that organisations can be taking, uh, taking advantage of to help them maintain security, to help them to maintain data compliance, etc. You know, that kind of um, ability to have people you know a service that gives that additional bit of human being interaction you know as a as an addition to their internal teams i think is going to be going to be hugely valuable so um well look as as, as kind of we wrap up here look if, if people have been interested in what we've talked about want to find out a little bit more about you or about um Infosight, your company um what's a good way for them to do that yeah you can go to infosite.com uh we have a website there we have a, a button you can press for requesting a demo or uh, uh even a trial of our software and so that's the, one of the best ways you can get in contact and we'll get on the, the phone and show you the platform. Um, for most organizations, we are targeting, you know, our, our ideal customers are anyone from 100, you know, employees to 15,000 employees is a typical organization that, uh, that, we, that we subscribe with. Um, our partners can be leveraged for larger organizations to deliver threat hunting, even threat hunting as a service uh, for even larger organizations. Uh, with our platform and so um, we can point them in that direction and Chris as well. if people want to engage with you or have got questions um, you know is, is there a good way to uh, to contact you as well yeah I'm I'm pretty active on uh, on LinkedIn you know just look for uh, Chris Garretts G-E-R-R-I-T-Z um, I'm also on Twitter uh, Garrett C is my handle there uh, feel free to follow and and I'm pretty responsive on all right, Chris. Well, look, I'll make sure all that stuff and including um, including links to uh, how to request a demo of your platform I'll make sure all those go in the show notes um, but for now Chris look uh, th- thanks very much thanks for giving us a bit of insight into um, into kind of the, the current cybersecurity landscape and, and what we can be expecting moving forward through 2019 so uh, really appreciate time thanks for coming on the show and I uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon thanks Chris thanks for having me I hope you enjoyed that for show notes pop over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes and if you did enjoy the show and want to make sure you catch the next one, then why not subscribe? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.